Hello, Monetization Nation. I'm Nathan Gwilliam, your host. Today, I'm talking with Bob Sparkins. Bob is the sales and marketing manager at Lead Pages, where they help customers to build top landing pages and websites to create conversion platforms. He's also the author of Take Action, Revised Later. In today's episode, we're going to discuss how to create better landing pages that will generate more leads. We're also going to talk about the following key takeaways. Number one, a landing page is a page that gets people to take one specific desired action after they've landed on it. Number two, we should keep our landing pages short and simple. Number three, we shouldn't have just one landing page. We should have as many landing pages as we can think of so we can make them as specific and targeted as possible. Number four, we have to make our landing pages about our ideal customer or client. Number five, we should use emotional triggers on our pages. And number six, we should weave testimonials throughout our landing pages in places where customers might have an objection. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Nathan. It's really a pleasure to hop on your show, answer some cool questions, and really just help people simplify the process of getting more people to know who they are and get them turned into clients. Absolutely. Can you start off with sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? Super passionate about? Um, let's see. One, I love my family. My wife uh, I, uh, my wife and I just celebrated our seventh anniversary yesterday at the oh, time. Congratulations. We Thank you. And we have two amazing kids that are five and three years old. So as far as uh, my biggest passion, of course, it's it's being happy and and uh, having that family just be on track in this hopefully tail end of a pandemic. And as we go through continuous changes as the kids get older and everything, that's just a, a big fun thing to do. And I also love trivia. So I am in a online trivia league called Learned League or Learned League. And I just love answering random trivia questions and keeping my brain um you know, strengthened and not just living in the world of Octonauts and uh, other children's shows, <laughs> things like that. Can you share with us the greatest home run or success story that you've had related to lead generation and landing pages? Uh, landing pages are a lot of times, a lot of singles and doubles that add up obviously to a, to a good score. Uh, so although I'll come up with something, I don't want to de-emphasize the uh, the importance of just consistent activity and actions that would be more in that single and double uh, world. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, but I think one of the the biggest things that that I've always enjoyed as a home run is anytime you can pull together a group of people to do a virtual summit. Uh, if you can do that uh, very artfully, it doesn't have to be twenty people. I think those can be a little overwhelming. But even a group of like say four to six people, and we've done this before with what we call our converted series. We take four to six experts and they promote, we promote, we do advertising for it, et cetera. And you just pump value into the audience over the course of a few sessions, uh, typically done over the course of a day. And so that can result in a very short window of time to thousands of leads in a very short period of time, like as in within four or five days. So when you, when it comes to a home run, whenever you can get some some people together to help cross promote and collaborate on a project like that, it can be extremely valuable. I know before I joined Lead Pages um, over seven years ago, that was one way that I grew my list really fast. And till this, uh, still to this day, at Lead Pages, we'll occasionally do a, a little virtual summit like that with really big results. And uh, and I think that's really important to to consider whatever field your business is in. 
get some collaborators, even people you might think as a competitor adjacent, you might say, and put together a, a, a short one day or two day virtual summit and just ask for the email address for payment. And you'll see a lot of great results from that. Can you share with us the biggest failure you've made or had, the biggest mistake you've made, either that you've made or you've seen someone else make related to landing pages and lead generation? Well, the obvious one is not having landing page, only promoting your website, but <laughs> that's not really yeah. a failure as much as a as a uh, an obstacle that a lot of people don't realize is in front of them. Uh, in today's world, I would definitely consider that a failure. For yeah, sure. for sure. Because I mean, honestly, you'll get one to three percent conversion rate on lead gen to a website homepage if it's not optimized, and you'll get. 10% if you're doing it wrong on the landing page and you should be in the 20, 30% or up uh, range instead. Um, but I think that the biggest thing is, honestly is when uh, you send out an email and I've done this before, we've done it at lead pages. I've done it before you send out an email to a bunch of people for an offer and the link is wrong. You know, you have a typo in the <laughs> link and then you send it out on a Friday and you shut down the computer and you come in on Monday and lo and behold, there's all these people frustrated that the link you sent out and then ignored for a couple of days was broken and nobody could see the valuable content you may have had or even been presented with the offer. And so they missed out on whatever the deal may have been. Uh, so that's a, a huge mistake I think a lot of people make. And the one thing I would suggest about that it too is sometimes it's just a typo, right? So they're going to a 404 page. Well, what do you do about that? You can't take the email back. You can send out an email that comes after it that says, oh, my link was broken. And you probably should do that. But you don't want to aggravate the people who are on your email list if you can avoid it. So the solution is go inside of your website. And of course, you can do this with lead pages if you want. And make a page that serves as a redirect that takes the bad link. Hopefully, it was just a bad slug, not the root domain. You take the bad slug and you redirect it to where it should have gone. And then you go into your email platform and you only send the email correction to the people who opened the email. Because anybody who hadn't opened the email yet never saw the link to click it. When they do click it, it's fine. It doesn't actually go in the wrong place. It redirects to the place it's supposed to go. But that first you know, five, 10% of people that did open the link that will open it in the long term. They're the ones you have to tell, oops, my bad. <laughs> I made a mistake. Totally my fault. Here's where the link should have been. And that way you're not you know, polluting people's inboxes. Because at this time of day, Nathan, I don't know about you, but a lot of people are jilted and think that people do that on purpose. And when they send that second message, it's trying to get that extra visibility in the inbox. And so because of that skepticism, I just would encourage people, number one, try not to make the mistake. Always test out your emails before you send them out. But secondly, if you do have the mistake, just send it to people who saw the mistake and see if you can cover the mistake for any future people by not even having them see it as a mistake. Okay. Uh, tell us what is a landing page? Cool question. A landing page is um, technically the first page people get to when they click on something <laughs> that is not already your website. Um, but for a finer tuned definition, uh, it's really a page that gets people to take an action after they've landed on that page. So people often will think of their website homepage as a landing page, and sort of technically it is, but traditionally a landing page has no navigation to it. It has no set of options really, or maybe it's just two options. 
but it's basically giving people, here's a challenge that you might be experiencing. Here's a solution to that challenge that I want to present to you. And then I want you to give me your email address or some money to get the solution. Uh, landing pages can both be opt-in pages and they can be sales pages. And in either case, the chief job of them is to get people to take action, say yes or no to whatever it is that offer may be. And in doing so, that landing page should only address one main challenge, one main solution, and not give people this sense of like choose your own adventure, which is tempting for a lot of people to do. Um, but we always see uh, in the you know million plus landing pages that we've seen over the last eight years, eight, nine years, that uh, the more compelling landing pages are those that just ask for people to make a decision about one thing at a time. So to, to go back and summarize really quick, you're saying that a landing page is generally not your homepage, but it's a page you create that does one thing. And when you create advertising, you send advertising into a landing page, which is usually a sub page on your website. And the goal is to optimize the conversion to get as many people to do whatever that one thing is you want them to do as possible. And again, that could be give you my, give you the email address, or it could be pay for whatever the product may happen to be. Okay. So maybe walk us through what are, what are some of your best secrets and strategies of creating a great landing page? Yeah. So it, one of the things that we have at lead pages, and you can go to leadpages.com slash templates to see this for yourself is we sort everything by conversion rate. You can of course look at what the newer ones are and all that kind of stuff, collections, industry, et cetera. But we always start with the conversion rate and what you'll find at the top of the rack of, of all the landing page templates as shorter is better, almost without fail. Now you can try to test this and get better by having longer pages, but one of the secrets is don't try to overcomplicate things. A simple single panel uh, web page or landing page, basically we call this the hero section, it typically will outperform a landing page that has three, four or five sections on it. Now, for a sales page, of course, you do want to have a little bit more extended information, but for an opt-in page, especially that nice short page works extremely well. The point is, is that whatever the length of your page is, see if you can trim it down, see if you can go as short as possible, because that's typically going to outperform having a longer page. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is to pay attention to where people are coming from. I don't think people do this enough, Nathan. They're going to create a landing page and they're going to say, this is my landing page. And now I'm going to send traffic from Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and email and my business card and from referrals and from wherever else. And the problem with that is if you get all these different channels going to the same page, you lose the context by which people are coming to the page. What if instead you thought about having a different landing page for each individual channel from which people are coming? So that someone who clicked on a Facebook ad read a certain statement, saw a certain image that get to a landing page that is an exact match of that conversation. Then somebody who's on Instagram and sees your link in bio and goes to that page, the look and feel of it is more tied directly to your most recent Instagram post. Somebody who clicks a search ad from Google sees a different landing page. Very similar in what they're trying to do leading to the same kind of opt-in, but each one can have different language. Each one can have different imagery. 
And depending on your filtering for your ads and so forth, particularly can even have different uh, images showing different demographics of who might be clicking on that ad. So they see more of a version of themselves on that page. So don't just have one landing page, <laughs> have as many landing pages as you can think of, even if it's for the same object that they're going to get either buy or get an email for. And that way you are going to get much more conversions from all those channels because you're matching the context uh, by which people are joining it. Yeah. I've seen this in my career. Uh, for example, we, we did advertising for a large adoption organization and instead of sending all of the the clicks through to one landing page. We had a different landing page for every single state in the country. And then we could have the ad say, you know, adoption in Idaho. And then when they clicked on it, they went to a page that says, you know, adoption services in Idaho and people feel like it's customized to them, right? You geographically target the ad and geographically target the landing page and, and the conversion rates went up. Because there's a lot of people looking for local service providers, not just a national player. Exactly. And it goes beyond the text too, right? If you have uh, a landing page that you know says adoption in, in West Virginia, then you can have a picture of Harper's Ferry and a family walking across the bridge in Harper's Ferry and somebody who's got an ad for Seattle, you know, they're seeing the Space Needle in the imagery. So um, there's a lot of different ways that you can play that. But having that... Uh, kind of as a thought in your mind, uh, really helps your conversion rates quite a bit. Okay. Uh, keep going. What else? What else is helps us to improve the conversion rates of those landing pages? Yeah. So one of the biggest mistakes I see in the weekly coaching calls that I do for lead pages customers is people will come to me with their pages. They're very proud of them. They look good. They were easily put together and everything, but the way that they communicated their message was all about them. You've got to make your landing pages about the ideal client that you're trying to attract. So that means you don't lead in your headline with, I have this thing, you should get it. <laughs> it's if you have this challenge or you have this problem or you've realized that there's something missing, then you need to keep reading basically is the essence of what the headline and subheadline should do. It shouldn't be, you know, new webinar has 60 minutes in it and it's going to show you these three things. It's you have a challenge. I want to help you understand why that challenge is there and give you a solution uh, in, a, in a brief presentation or something like that. So in other words, don't sell, whether it's an email or something you pay, don't sell the thing in your copy. You sell the transformation. You sell the future version of themselves, as uh, Sam Hulick would, would call it. That's one of those key things that people aren't doing. Uh, and the second thing, uh, and someone I think you can learn a lot from for this is from Talia Wolf um, from Get Uplift, uh, is be ready and willing to pull some emotional triggers on your pages. Don't just talk about the thing or even the result. Talk about the why that result is so important for people. So ask yourself as you write a statement of copy, every single sentence you write on a landing page, so what? Why does this sentence matter? Why does this sentence matter to my ideal customer? And if you feel like you need to explain it further, keep asking, so what, so what, so what? And that's going to guide your copy throughout the page. All right. So if you say to people, for example, um, you know, in this program, I'm going to help you lose 10 pounds in, in a month. That might feel like a good thing for people, but they don't really want to lose 10 pounds in a month. 
they want to feel good in their clothes. They want to feel good hanging out with their kids. They want to feel good uh, going to that wedding in the summer or whatever the case may be. And then ask, so what about that? <laughs> Dig even further, you know, because they want some other thing. So keep asking yourself the so what question and tie the emotion into the language that you have for your page, because that's going to help people feel more compelled and magnetically attracted to whatever it is that you're offering. Uh, talk about lead magnets for a second. And and you talk about an assessment. A lot of people are talking about assessments today as being one of the better performing lead magnets. Um, what are you seeing today as as some of the best performing lead magnets? Yeah. So there's two ways to look at this. One is what will be the easiest for you to create that will provide value to your end user? And so some people come to us and they say, I've got a great idea for a course. It's going to provide so much value and education, but it's going to take them three weeks of hardcore creation, storyboarding, recording, editing, whatever to create. So you you lose three weeks of time, then you release it and it could be crickets or it could do really well. You don't really know, but otherwise you would have spent a bunch of time. So one thing is to try to keep your initial lead magnets that you're thinking about doing as concise as possible to create and also as concise as possible to consume. Because the longer your the the prospect has to get value from the thing you're giving away is the it kind of lowers the chances they actually get value from it. And the lower the chances people get value from whatever you're offering, the less likely they are they are to take the second step in your marketing campaign in that conversion journey we like to talk about. So checklists are extremely important as a, as a tool. A template is very important as a lead magnet tool. Um, you speak about assessments. Assessments can be very, very strong, um, but you have to know how to ask the right kinds of questions to get the right kinds of answers to make people feel good about whatever the resulting answers are. And so if you don't have a lot of education for yourself in psychology and, and so forth, you may ask a, a series of questions in a, in a survey or in a, a questionnaire uh, or self-assessment that actually derail your progress. They sabotage what it is that you're really trying to do. So uh, yes, surveys and assessments can be quite powerful, but you do need to know how to ask the right kinds of questions. And then once the answer is, is presented, you've got to have the right um, thing that you're going to give to people. Um, I do see a lot of people using assessments uh, incorrectly because they will ask all these great questions, but then they'll give the same lead magnet to everybody. The idea of any kind of personalized approach to marketing needs to then be uh, differentiated with what you're going to give away to people. So you can have similar results by having two buttons on a page and say, um, do you think this is more important or this is more important? And then they pick a choice. They go to the second page and you ask them maybe a second version of that, uh, you know, next level down question and A or B kind of an answer. And that second question leads to one of four different lead magnets. So depending on how you answer the first question and the second question combined, you then have four different lead magnets. Well, creating four different lead magnets is very good in the long term but it's likely to take you much longer to actually create that and do it in a sophisticated way. So I just always tell people the first lead magnet you should be creating if you don't have a fresh one uh, that you're using actively right now is to come up with something that's a single use for your ideal customer that might exclude a you know good portion of the marketplace, but really nails it for that strongest case of who benefits the most from whatever you're selling. 
then as time develops, you get some feedback from your audience. What do they like? What do they not like? That's the revise later part <laughs> that we're talking about. And you get them that opportunity to be getting leads in from the original lead magnet. Now you have the time and the, the, the patience to create the more sophisticated version. But you can always get too cute when it comes to lead magnets and to where you overcomplicate things and it actually doesn't really give you the, the successful metric that you're trying to look for. Okay, so in your book, Take Action, Revise Later, uh, you explain how testimonials can help us build our business brand. Would you say that, t talk to us about the role that testimonials play in, in generating leads. Yeah, well, first of all, they're basically giving people the sense that they're not the first person to say yes. <laughs> uh, if people think that you've never had clients before, they're a little bit more skeptical about what it is that you're doing. Um, but more importantly, it gives you the chance to pick through what are some of the common objections that you know people will have before they say yes to your free thing or your paid thing. And you can use examples from people who had that same kind of objection and get them to explain why they're really glad that they bought your product or program. So the key thing about testimonials that I, I think people are forgetting is on their website or on the landing page, they'll cluster all the testimonials in one place. On a website, they'll have just like testimonials or results. People don't want to navigate to that page. They know they're going to see just you and some people talking about you saying good things about you. But if instead you can weave in testimonials throughout a landing page or throughout a sales page, right next to where a related uh, objection would be had, that's super effective. So what I mean by that is you have your hero section, you make a bold claim, uh, a bold promise, have a testimonial right under that that says something directly addressing that objection. Then two sections later, you might have explained what your program does and you might have said, you know, it does this and this saves you time, saves you money, whatever, have a testimonial then that somebody says, because of this program, I got this result, which is tied directly to it. You can still have the results page. You can still have the cluster of testimonials in various places of your marketing, but try to weave in your testimonials in the sales pages and your landing pages, even in your emails that address those challenges directly instead of just, you know, having them all jumbled into one spot. In your book, you talk about the three secrets to a great testimonial. Will you share those with us? Um, so one thing is it has to be, you know, personal. <laughs> it has to be something that the person who's giving that testimonial is not speaking in vague terms. Um, the way my wife would put it is you're not youing all over everybody else. <laughs> like you can do this, you can do this. It should be I. I came to this test. I came to this product thinking this. I needed something to solve this. I was able to get this result. And because I got that result, I'm able to do this next thing. Okay. So that's one thing. Uh, a second thing is if possible, a testimonial should have a before, after, and after that structure. So before I got this product, this is how I was dealing with things. After I got this product, this is what result I got within the first week, the first hour, <laughs> whatever that immediate time frame is. And then did you have a result three, six, or six months or a year later? That's the after that. And a good testimonial, if possible, has all three of those components. What was the challenge you're trying to address? How was the quick result? And what was the long-term result? And those three things in combination will give people the sensation and trust that this can be for them. 
And the third thing that it should do is it should have identifier uh, markers to it. So I know some people listening, uh, you might have a particular type of business model where the name and in a city and so forth might be too much information to get from people, but at least have a description of the type of person that you're dealing with as as it could relate to the next person who wants to buy. Ideally, it has first name, last name, and it has what their role is or what their business is or where they're located because you want to give a more realistic picture. Uh, And it should also have an image of that person. It should not, please do not use a stock photo of somebody next to their, next to the name of a person in that stock photo is not that person. Um, People can reverse Google image search with the right click of their mouse button. And if they even think that you're using a fake image, not directly to the testimonial, you will ruin all credibility that you could have otherwise had for that testimonial. Um, So I think I might've given you four or five, not three, but those are the things I would say are important for uh, strong testimonials. Thank you so much, Bob, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. To learn more about or connect with Bob, you can find him on LinkedIn, visit his website at leadpages.com or get his book, Take Action, Revise Later on Amazon. And you can find links to each of these sites in the blog post for this episode on our site. You can also get a free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode, and I wish you success on your landing pages. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.